Hi, everyone. Welcome to the TimingResearch.com Crowd Forecast News for February 13th, 2023. We are recording this at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, and this is episode number 376. And today we have a special Option Professor Market Outlook episode. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to him. Okay. Thank you very much, David, and uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, with regards to uh, today, I'll be the speaker, uh, the Option Professor. And again, uh, to remind everybody that uh, what we're talking about here is our opinions and our views. Uh, we're not giving any advice out to anybody. And uh, also that you should always check with your brokerage firm to find out what is suitable for you and what your risk tolerance is before you enter into any type of investing. Okay. But um, again, that's what we're doing today. We're sharing opinions and our views. Um, we've been in the markets uh, for 40 years. So obviously we're um, very experienced, very knowledgeable on uh, all the different markets. So I'm going to share with you a lot of knowledge, particularly on the options area. But in addition, uh, just uh, since we do things uh, with our own situations beyond uh, options, uh, I'm going to give you my opinion on a few things. All right. First of all, what's going on with the markets? We're having a big rally here before the CPI, right? Okay. Now, what we did tell people is we follow the difference between growth and value. Okay. And we uh, told uh, people that uh, in December, that ratio switched, meaning it was favoring value over growth. But in December, there was a switch and there's been a, and the value had a big run against growth, as you guys all know, uh, going into October of last year. I mean, growth was just tanking compared to value. And we were all over that and had uh, instructed people our view was to be in value over that. But that switch happened in December. Since December, how has uh, growth done? Meaning tech, meaning high valuation, you know, Kathy Wood stuff, all that kind of stuff. Uh, small caps, they've gone through the roof right? Particularly against staples, utilities, and all that other stuff called value, right? So that was a great switch. We told people about that, and we are way ahead of the game. We're not just coming into the game now. Now, uh, how long will this lend? The other thing we told people is there's a presidential cycle that goes from when? It goes from October of the second year of the presidency to the April timeframe of the third year of the presidency. And that has worked with like clockwork. So those two things are very important. I'm sure you didn't get it from your stockbroker at those times. And I'm sure you didn't get it from these chat rooms uh, with any kind of a bigger picture. Because the bigger picture is always nice to know, right? And the bigger picture was October through April uh, was going to be a very big up cycle. Because if you go back in history, you'll see it was, if you bought in October and got out in April, it was higher just about every year, if not every year. That's number one. And number two, the switch into growth in December out of the value, which was very good to us. I mean, getting out of value was not a negative thing. It was a very positive thing. And then emphasizing growth obviously was an excellent switch. Those two things alone were fabulous information to have. And then, of course, with regards to when's the last time we got a switch like that? It was June in 2022. And how long did the switch last? It only lasted two months. By, uh, uh, by August, we were switching back to value. Now, this thing has gone from what? All through, um, all through uh, January and all through February here, right? And so the bottom line is we're going to be looking very closely to see how March and April does because history tells me that the last time it switched was June of 2022 
And within 60 days or so, this thing was rolling over in a big way. Now, so obviously we're not, we're, uh, we're not always looking at where the puck is. We want to know where the puck is going. So that's the next thing on our agenda. But we're not fighting the tape here. And again, uh, this cycle of the president's uh, cycle that I talked about goes back in history many, many years. And obviously, it's a very, very active cycle that's still going on now. Uh, so basically, that's an overview as far as that's concerned. Um, with regards to uh, the stock market, we got our buy signals earlier this morning. Like I said in my uh, uh, newsletter that we sent out, uh, the market was underneath some support. But if it could get above certain levels, you would have to uh, obviously be flexible. Being flexible is the key here. You got to switch when it's time to switch. And we did say 41.20 on the S&P. We said 305 on the Qs. And we said 192 on the IWM would change the tune back to the upside. So let's just look at the one-day graph and see when the buy signal came in on that. So if you, for you short-term traders, uh, ours came in around 41.04. When the red line starts pointing up, that's when it's getting uh, to go the other way. So 41.04, that's a pretty good ride so far today. On the five-year, a uh, five-day, uh, got a couple here, one at 40.70, and then you've got one um, up here at, uh, at uh, 40.90. And on the monthly, that's where we were looking at 41.20. And so there it comes in, actually it turns up at 40.80. So obviously it's a long uh, from those levels. Is it getting extended a little bit short term? Yeah, it is. And of course, Tuesday can be a turnaround Tuesday. You got to be careful. And will the CPI surprise on the upside? Well, let's put it this way. They rev they, they're, they're doing some new math. You know, I'm not going to go into what the new math is, but they're doing some new math on figuring out CPI. And they um, up... Um, they revised upward uh, the December number um, because of the new configuration. So we'll have to see if there's a surprise on the upside. Uh, as you all go around town, you know, I'm sure it doesn't look like prices are collapsing, uh, certainly not down to 2% where the Fed wants to get it. And another macro thing to remember is if the Fed wants to go down to 2% on the inflation rate, a couple of things are probably going to have to happen. We're going to have to go pretty far into the 5% Fed funds, and you're going to have to see the unemployment rate, which is down at 3.4%, go up. And history tells us that if the unemployment rate jumps a half of a percent, the odds of going into recession are extremely high. So those are the macro things you have to you know, be aware of as the days go by, because again, you know, these uh, macro factors can come in and the short-term stuff can change very quickly. Um, we will show you again, uh, some stuff that we, uh, out of our situations that we follow that uh, gave us good signals here. So the, again, switching into growth, that would mean the QQQ, all right? Let's see that over there. And we got some ads, don't let it bother you. Focus on the numbers. Okay, QQQ, uh, again, today we said if it got above 301, that would be positive. You can see it got above there, so it's starting to get positive. But again, you know, start closing under 300, this thing is uh, going to give it up. So again, the yields on the 10-year um, are changing. I'll get into that in a minute. But at any rate, um, let's see what the uh, on the monthly what the RSI has been doing. Up at 78, 66 and now to 54. So you got a declining RSI here. Have to be a little bit careful on the on the cues here. Uh, IWM. I'm going to show you on the one month. I'm uh, on the one year where we kind of got uh, more of a bullish thing here. 
you got bullish on the IWM down here at around 170. Pull back here, back to 175, back into the game here. Right now, it's struggling. That's where we got our number from. We think it has to get above um, uh, 193 for it to really, you know, get cooking again. That red line is rising. So again, if we start breaking above 193, for all we know, we're going to be taking out 200. Okay, so it's really in a critical joint here. And this CPI is obviously going to be pretty binary. And don't forget retail sales is coming out. So that's going to be a situation as well. Um, uh, there are some stocks on the move here. And uh, I did want to, I'm going to get into some option strategies, but I just wanted to show you a couple of things because uh, a lot of people own these stocks. Um, tech with earnings uh, seems to be where people are running right now as well. So let's take a look at Apple. And uh, give you some ideas on Apple here. Okay, first of all, we like to look at things on a 20-year basis. And again, Apple, you know, went down to the uh, uh, 36 SMA. Okay, when you get a pullback down here and you're bullish on the company, this is where you take your shots. Or what some people might do is, you know what? This thing has really dropped from 180 down to 130, okay? And I like this company. So I don't know if I want to buy here because it's, you know, obviously getting through the blue line a little bit. Let's look at the 120 puts. OK, and if you this is, these are cash secured, which means if you sell a put on this, you have the money in your account to buy the stock. So we're not talking margin here at all. So you sell the put uh, in this example and say you get ten dollars on it at the 120 level. If the stock goes like it does, the option goes to zero if it expires above 120 and you get to keep the premium. The other thing you can do is take the premium on the 120 here and buy yourself a 140 call. And maybe the 120 and the 140 calls a wash, meaning the 120 put premium uh, also uh, is what the 140 goes for. And so basically your cost on the 140 is reduced and now you're 13 bucks into the money. So when markets are down, a couple of things that people like to look at is selling the puts to either get the stocks at a discount or keep the premium, or they like to sell the put and buy calls with it. So if it has a big reversal like this, you're in the game and you've used the put money to speculate on the 140s. Okay. Uh, so let's. Uh, so again, Apple is holding the 50 thing down here, and that's a positive, and it's above the red line. The red line comes in at 150. So if uh, if um, uh, Apple can maintain above 150, that's positive. If it starts breaking under 150 and then 140, I think it's going to go back into the soup. And this is the hunt. The purple line is the 120 uh, month uh, moving average. So obviously, it's uh, you know that gives you an idea if there was a crash of some type where it might hold. I'll show you an example on Amazon, which uh, would be very helpful. And this is why people come to us, because obviously we have experience and knowledge on this stuff. And we'll show you exactly where we got a buy signal on Amazon. And let me tell you, that was not a bad one. So here you go. Okay. You see why we were saying get into it here? You know, why we were bullish here? Okay. Because it's hitting the purple line. That's the 120 month. Can you see that's about the time it bottomed in the 80, 85 area? That's the time you either want to sell your puts and collect premium, sell puts and buy calls, uh, call reversal, or just buy stock. Now it's running into some resistance up here, as you can see, at the red line, which comes in at 114. And the stock today uh, is trading at 98. So it hit, uh, when did it hit that? It hit that obviously earlier this month. And there's a reason why it stopped there. So again, a nice trade 
but certainly still in a down move. Now, if it can get above 114, it opens the window to try to go up towards 140. Right now, that hasn't happened. And so basically, and again, their RSI is under 40, under 50. So they're still kind of weak. But again, there could be a reversion to the mean on it. And that's why down here at 8085, we were telling people, if you're going to take your shot, take it. Okay. Um, so that's why some of these charts come in very, very handy for us. We didn't pick these averages out of our ear. They seem to have been effective over a long period of time. Um, another one that uh, seems to be getting some legs, so all about a lot of this uh, AI stuff is uh, Microsoft and uh, also obviously Google and Amazon. So let's take a look at all these guys and see what they look like. Okay, Microsoft, again, just like Apple, they look like twins, uh, you know, they got violated here but they're back above the blue line. So right now, as long as Microsoft stays above about uh, 252, and certainly you'd like it to stay above the other ones, which is around uh, 260, as long as we can maintain strength there, you know, there's some reasons why you could still be hanging with that. You start breaking under 260 and 240, obviously it puts into play some kind of a crash deal down here at 160, okay? You know, these people who think that earnings are going to dry up, you know, the Mike Wilsons of the world, earnings are going to dry up and valuations are going to contract. Let me show you where they're kind of getting the numbers from, okay? Because this could be helpful to you longer term. All right. Now, uh, here's how the numbers work. We're at 231 on earnings right now on the S&P. And the market's at what, uh, 44, 41.40? So if you take 2.31 and multiply it by 18, you know, you're at 41.58. So you're about 18 PE with 231 in earnings. People think earnings are going to go down. And if earnings do go down to $2, right? And you are, um, let me put the 20 year up so you can get the idea. If they go down to $2 from 231 and you go to a 16 multiple from 18, because these interest rates are going up right now, the yields are going up. So the bottom line is, if that happens, can you see the 3,000 number where we hit during the crash of 2000? That could be in play because 16 times 2 gives you 3,200, okay? And if it happens in by the end of the year, obviously, this is a moving average that will be rising. So we could easily be at 3,200 by the end of the year. And that's why we're keeping that in our view as well, because we don't want to get, uh, you know, shall we say, hit by the train that nobody sees right now. And what nobody sees right now is contracting um, earnings, a lower multiple, and a Fed funds that goes way into the fives, okay? They're not really discounting that at all. So the bottom line, that's the train that people could get. And also a dollar that doesn't go down anymore. That's the things that people are not factoring in. And that's how you get some kind of a big switch. So that's why we're just saying, obviously, you go with the tape you have. The tape we have is rising right now. God bless it. But the tape we have now will change. And again, it's probably going to change this week dramatically with all the data that's coming out. Again, this week, you're talking about the CPI. You're talking about uh, the um, retail sales, industrial production, business inventories, housing permits, housing sales, as well as the leading economic indicators. So, you know, put your seatbelt on. You know, you've got the presidential cycle that's still obviously underpinning the market. And then you've certainly got a situation where, um, you know, the uh, yields have risen. Let's go into that a little bit here, because there's two things that are causing people to change their tune as far as their optimism. One is the yield on the 10-year note. 
I mean, we've been listening to the Fed very clearly. So rolling treasury bills is just a no-brainer. You know, you go out, money market is a no-brainer. I mean, the darn money market at uh, some of the big companies are at four and a half percent almost. Uh, but I mean, just rolling the T-bills short term, you're getting a heck of a lot of good yield. You got no risk in there at all from the standpoint of uh, credit quality. And, uh, you know, this is what the yields look like. So, you know, they did come back down and tested the red line. Okay, what do you think? It, do you think it stopped for no reason? You know, the red line comes in at 313. It went down to 337. Now it's back to 372. Okay, so uh, and the RSI is starting to turn up again. So and, uh, you know, like I say, if CPI comes in hot, if retail sales come in hot, if the services uh, people going around spending money in casinos and spending money in uh, restaurants and going on traveling trips and, uh, you know, you know uh, these rates, you know, the yields would have to go higher. I mean, if these guys have any credibility of going to 2% and they, they say it like it's a mantra, you know, they only got two mandates. One is price stability, which they're failing at, and full employment, which they did too good of a job at because we're at a 55 year low on unemployment. So obviously they've got a lot of ability to raise rates because this unemployment is ridiculously low. And while they say wages are not rising that fast, they are rising, okay? So the bottom line is, is there's your um, your yields. And if they start taking out 450 or 4% here, uh, believe me, I don't think the stock market is going to like that very much at all. Now, again, we are looking at earnings coming out for December. Obviously, that's history. What are the ones coming out next? In April, you're going to get Q1 earnings. And we'll have to see if Q1 earnings can keep this kind of pace, because that's where the risk starts increasing. In April, when you look at Q1 earnings, and in July, when you look at Q2 earnings. Now, if they can get through Q1 and Q2 earnings with no problems, then obviously, you know, this market has all kinds of upside to it. And the moving averages are all under the prices and the golden cross has occurred. So again, you don't want to fight the tape and you don't want to get bearish when everything is bullish. Okay. There's no doubt about that. But we also have to be keen on when the changes do happen, we are flexible. And that's basically what I'm all about, being flexible. Okay. Um, I'm going to look at some of the stuff here um, uh, that also is moving. Obviously, the semis are moving. So um, let's look at AMD. A lot of you guys like uh, like the tech here. And let's see what that looks like. Up another two points. Now, again, this is called a reversion to the mean. You know, look at this. 160 down to 60. I mean, somebody got wiped out during this drop. Now, of course, you know, and it went down towards the purple line. So, again, when you're down at 60, why not sell the 50 puts? and buy the 70 calls or sell the you know, the 60 puts and buy the 70 calls. Okay. And now you're in there getting this nice little run, right? Uh, again, you're agreeing to buy the stock when you sell the 60 puts. So you got to have the money in your account to buy it. And if you don't, don't do it. Okay. And if you don't like the stock, don't do it. Uh, I'm going to show you a couple of more examples here and uh, Capri Holdings. Now, again, you know, this is a company that deals in uh, Michael Kors, Louis Vuitton, you know, high-end stuff. You know, aren't the Chinese out of their houses now? And aren't they uh, going to, uh, you know, start buying stuff? And uh, so here, it's very critical here. You see, it came right down here. So wouldn't this be a time to maybe start taking a look at either selling puts, buying calls, or, you know, taking a shot? And, uh, you, you know, if it starts breaking underneath these areas here, you know, maybe that's not good. But the bottom line is, is this is a neighborhood where it would make some sense because obviously they have some problems that came down. 
But, you know, let's see if it stabilizes here. I'd watch this one like a hawk because, again, they're into the kind of stuff that the Chinese will be buying. You know, when they get out of their houses, the rich Chinese have money. The middle, higher middle class have money. Majority of China doesn't. They have a lot of property problems and they've got a high unemployment problem. So that's why this big boom, boom, boom people are expecting out of China may not occur because the majority of China uh, is still underwater as far as uh, the property and stuff like that. But I'm going to show you a couple of Chinese things, because like I say, here's the way uh, we have been talking to people. Okay, when China is all locked up, are the casinos going to get a lot of business? No. But when they come out, are they going to get a lot of business? I live in Las Vegas. I guarantee you the Chinese people will be gambling. So here's the deal. We got into this stuff at around 35 bucks. Let me show you why. Okay, you see here? This is when it's turning up, 35 bucks. You see where it is now? 60 bucks, okay? So we don't really like to start buying things when they're way up here, right? We like to buy them when they're down using common sense as our guide, okay? So that's a very good example of how we front run the opening of China. I'll show you another one, DD. You know what they do? They're the Uber of China. Do you think people need a lot of rides when they're locked in their apartments? No, they don't. You think they might need rides when they get out of their apartment? I would say yes. So that's why at $1.50, this thing was a no-brainer. And let me show you why again. Uh, this thing hadn't been around that long, so I got to go to the one-year graph. You see down here, this is called the buy signal, right? And then you go what? You go on a nice big run because now they open up and it goes all the way to five, okay? Up here, if you get down here, you can sell off your original money, and now you've got a free look at DD for the rest of your life. And that's what we like as a good idea. We show you another one here that we, uh, we looked at. And uh, this was another example of buying something that was way down and out of favor. And I'm going to go to the 20-year graph here on Freeport McMoran. Now, these guys are in copper. Now, when we go down to a Freeport McMoran goes down to $5, okay, we have to say to ourselves, are they going to make any more copper mines? And is the use of copper going to become extinct? And we said no. And so when it starts getting above 10 bucks, we say it's a good time to give it a go. And that is called a move to 50. Now, when it's at 50, do you think it looks like it's pretty far away from its moving averages? And do you know what the word reversion to the mean means? It means it's going to come back down. And so back at 25, it was the re-entry time. And now we're up here in the 40s. Now, if it starts breaking under 35 and under 30, then obviously we'll change our tune. Look how it came perfectly down to the purple line. Like I say, we didn't pull these out of our ear, okay? These are, these are things, I've been doing this for 40 years. Let's hope after 40 years of doing anything, you have some idea of what's going on. Okay, um, let's see. We went over some international stuff. Well, okay, now. Uh, is this the last hurrah for tech? Because there are certain mentalities of investing that go for, you know, eight or 10 years. Uh, one would be in the 90s where everyone was buying into GE. Remember Jack Welch, you know, and that went on for a long time until it didn't. And then in the 2000s, didn't everybody buy into the uh, large companies? And that, you know, banks and, and people like that all know what they're doing. And so you go with these people and then basically you got uh, large cap stuff going through the roof until 2007. And then when we went to permanent zero interest rates and $18 trillion of negative yielding debt, 
You are being paid handsomely to take risk, right? And that's where the tech goes through the roof. Not only the tech, but the tech that has great revenues, but no earnings. And so the speculative fever between what? 2009, 2010, and then 2021, that was the whole game. But they changed the game when they made rates go up. So again, you're getting a big rebound rally, as I showed you, on tech and other stuff. But you know what you got to maybe think about is this year could be the last hurrah for the you know, the ARC type stuff, you know, the no earnings, revenues, et cetera. And if tech is going to be good, maybe it's going to be the tech that has good earnings, you know, your Microsoft, your Google, your Amazon and stuff like that. And maybe that's where they'll focus, maybe even meta, right? And then where will the focus go? It'll go to possibly things like infrastructure, because obviously there's going to be investment into these bridges and tunnels and whatever they're doing. And then basically there could be on dividend payers, because people are going to want to get paid to be watching the movie. So dividend growers, dividend payers, and, and then of course your infrastructure stuff could be quite good. So I'm going to give you another couple of little uh, tidbits here that could be of value to you. I hope they are, because this is where our focus is. If you go to some of the industrial metals, let's see how they look, because we have been kind of keen on them, and it looks like something could happen here. So you see how you've had a pullback here, the RSI is here, and it's gotten above the red line. Let's see if it maintains above that, because there's a lot of real estate above, and this is Cleveland Cliffs. Uh, another one is uh, U.S. Steel. And again, you know, the mining this stuff, uh, you know, there's not an unlimited people mining it. And, you know, China's coming back on. You don't know if they're, what they're going to do. But this thing also is getting above things. And again, it looks like there's a potential large amount of real estate above. Okay. So, you know, these are some of the things uh, that uh, look a little bit interesting to us uh, from an infrastructure play. Um, obviously, there's an ETF on infrastructure that can be uh, looked at as well. Um, now, since we're on the metals thing, let's take a look at precious metals because, you know, um, my feeling is 1975 gold and $25 silver. Those are your lines in the sand. You want to make a lot of money in the metals? You got to get above those two points. You don't get above those two points. You're providing liquidity for smart people who bought gold at 1700 and silver down at 15 or 20 right? So let's take a look and see what's going on. Because what you don't want to do is be a liquidity provider for smart people, which means is when people are short the market and the market collapses, you know, that's not when you want to sell. Because now the people who are short have to buy and they need idiots who want to sell when it's low, correct? And so you don't want to be providing liquidity for the shorts when things are in the tank. The other thing you don't want to do is you don't want to provide liquidity for people who bought at a good time. And now you are trying to, in other words, uh, looking at U.S. Steel, somebody was buying into this craziness, right? And obviously, the people who bought at a good time needed to find the morons to buy up here so they could sell it to them, right? Same thing down here when it goes down to uh, 10 bucks. Obviously, people who are short up here, they need to find people who want to sell because, you know, to get out of a short position, you must be a buyer, right? So if you're a buyer, you need sellers. Now, so you have to find morons who want to sell at 10 bucks so you can get liquidity. So that's my point. Try not to be a liquidity provider for smart people. It's not the good way of going. Okay. So anyway, um, getting back to um, the metals here, let's take a look at gold. Because we're very keen on gold, you know, last year when it was cheap and the gold stocks were cheap. Okay. But now we're a little bit, you know, 
more careful. Why? Let's take a look. Okay, we're going to start with the 20-year graph. Okay, now it looks pretty good because, again, once it got above 1,800, that was a good deal. So right now, there's a, there's a gap there that we talked about, uh, 1,825. It tried to fill it here. Let's see if it goes down and fills it. If it fills it at 1,825 and then goes back up and stays above 1,800, that's a good buy zone, right? But if it starts breaking under 1,800, I don't know that it's not going down to 1,500 because that's where the long-term stuff is. Can you see that was the time to buy? Can you see that was the time to buy? Can you see that was the time to buy? And I don't know that you're not going to get another shot here, okay? And again, you know, 1975 has been the high. 1960 is the high? Let me see. I thought 1975. I don't know, 1960. So right now you got a little bit of a line in the sand there, right? And we failed to take out these two. So again, not negative on it necessarily, right? But definitely not going in and buying like a drunk sailor here. And again, if you get above this point here, then there's nothing but real estate above. In other words, this thing could fly uh, if it gets above here and then above here, you know? But that's not the case right now. And again, the bullishness on this stuff short term got a little bit high. All right. So where would we start thinking again on a short term basis? See the red lines pointing down now. Never a good idea to have the red line pointing down. Right. Never a good idea. So, you know, again, uh, here's another place where it could go down and test short term, which is uh, 1833. Right. What did I say? 1825. So there's a reason why it might stop down there. Keep an eye on it. Could be a good time to take your shot. OK. What about silver? Silver. Okay. All right. Silver's uh, obviously busted through. So that's uh, that's not good. But it's busted through. And, you know, if it got back above here, it might be good. So right now, if it started getting above 22, uh, 25, uh, it might be it might be something to uh, to take a look at. Okay. But the red line's pointing straight down. Let's look at the uh, 20 year graph. On the 20 year graph, again, it's holding in there, right? So uh, the red line is starting to look a little bit weak, but you want it to stay above 20 and you want it to stay above, uh, uh, well, 22, uh, 25, like I said. Now, if you get above 25 here, you see where I got that little line there, then it could start getting a lot of momentum, okay? And that's why, you know, if you think you're gonna make 30, 35 or 40, you know, it might be smart to wait to get it above 25 and see if you can get this red line pointing back up. And maybe you can get, uh, you know, the purple to move up a little bit because it's been pretty flat lined here, as you can see, uh, going back to 2014. You've had a couple of moves on both sides of it, but all of a sudden, you know, they, it, this is an attractor. So again, uh, if we can hold this 22 area or 20, you know, 20 to 22 area and we can take out 25, then all systems go over in silver. Right now, you know, a lot of jabber out there, a lot of talk, you know, a lot of precious metal salesmen on the radio and TV trying to hawk these coins, you know, so be a little bit careful of it. I'm giving you some pretty decent parameters uh, to take into effect. Okay, so um, on the international front, I'm bouncing around because I follow everything, right? So, you know, if you're having a hard time following me, you know, uh, after the meeting, you can send your information in. We can talk, you know, specifics on whatever you're looking at. Um, but, uh, well, uh, speaking of bouncing around, let's look at uh, where Google is and see if there could be an opportunity. Because we were talking about selling puts on Google, uh, possibly for people who want to either collect premium or try to get a reversal on it. But again, you know, it has potential all the way down to 70. And it is having a hard time getting above what? This number here, which comes in around 106, 105. So if you want to get positive on Google, you know, let's see a print above 106, you know, and um, maybe even take out the high there. What's the high there? 
108. Yeah. So there's a reason why it stopped in that neighborhood. You can see, right? There's a reason why it stopped in that neighborhood. So again, some people are saying sell the 80 puts, uh, maybe sell the 70 puts, right? And then you're trying to buy it against the, uh, the purple line. So if you do get further weakness on it, or even now, price out the 80s and the 70s, because uh, there is a reason why it might stop at 70 if it even got that weak. And then, of course, if it gets above 108, then it looks like it's back in the ballgame. So those are your parameters on Google. I know a lot of you people are kind of watching that. And um, um, here's one that uh, we thought looked pretty good. Ford Motor Company. You know, they're good in electric, uh, you know, so you don't have to go with uh, Tesla all the time. You know, and these guys have a little bit more of a reasonable price here. I don't like the red line pointing straight down, but I do like these two joining in at around 12. So that's why it didn't look like bad risk around here. You know, that's why we thought it might be reasonable. Don't like that red line pointing down, though, and don't like the green line holding it. So again, getting above the green, which is 1465, would be very good for us. Again, what we're trying to do is get into things that are going into 18, 20, 22, and all that stuff. So again, you know, that's not happening right now. So be a little bit careful with Ford. But again, it's a reason to focus in on it. Now, if it starts breaking underneath 10, you know, and then school's out, forget the whole thing. But the bottom line is this consolidation here could lead to further upside if they're going to be the leader in the, um, in the EV uh, space and th things like that. So we've been looking at Ford. Um, the banking stocks. Now, again, these guys are in pretty good shape. You know, these guys are in pretty good shape. And so basically, uh, you know, they have been hanging in there pretty good. As you can see, it came down to the purple line. That was the time to buy your B of A. You know, anything under 30 was a good deal. Uh, now, right now, it's in crunch time. You definitely don't want this thing starting to fade under 34. And certainly, if it got under 30, it would be very, very negative. The red line's pointing straight down. That's never a good sign. And so bottom line is, is we're going to have to see how these banks do. Uh, they don't seem like they want to loan very much. So their loans are getting stringent. The yield curve is very negative. That's not good for them. And so there's a few things going on. And of course, uh, the real estate, you know, is hanging in there. If you got a 25% drop in real estate because the yields, uh, you know, the mortgages go from six up to seven or eight, you know, obviously that could put the banks in a little bit of a tough shot. Uh, because they're not getting any loan losses to speak of right now. And the credit card use, people obviously are working, so they're paying off their credit cards. If unemployment starts going up, these guys start getting defaults on credit cards and, and then loan problems on their real estate, it could change the whole nine yards. So keep an eye on uh, B of A. Uh, again, definitely try to keep it above 33 bucks. And then again, getting back above here in the high 30s, that might tell you that we're back in the game and they could maybe go after that 50. A big move up today was in Citigroup. So let's take a look at why Citigroup's moving up. Okay, with Citigroup, you know, because of their uh, changing their, uh, their situation. Okay, now Citigroup uh, is up 1.68%. Uh, uh, Again, um, that purple being above it doesn't look so good. The high surrounded by lower highs. But right now, if you had a had to do something with Citigroup, you'd want it to stay above 48 bucks. And if it can stay above 48 bucks, you know, maybe it can get this red line pointing up and get that RSI moving up. And uh, so again, you know, there's a good decent line in the sand right there. So keep an eye on Citi. It is one of the lower valued uh, banks, uh, maybe for good reasons. Um, looking at... Uh, Okay, I'd like to go around the horn on uh, international because, again, because the dollar, and let's take a look at the dollar real quick. 
I already showed you yields. Yields look like they went down towards that 337 and they rejected 337 and they're on their way back up. That's what it looks like right now to us, right? That's why, again, you know, uh, the short-term treasury is earning four and a half, four and three quarters, almost 5%. You know, right now doesn't look bad. And we've been suggesting that for two years. So if you've been in the bond market at one of these big investment firms, and now you've bought bonds at 2% and your bond portfolio lost 18% last year, yes, you got a little bit of your money back because yields dropped, but that getting some of your money back seems like it might be closing again. So again, by us suggesting people go to short-term treasuries back in 2020 and roll them month to month to month, that has avoided tremendous losses in fixed income. And here's the problem with losses in fixed income. If you're not uh, 25 years old, you know, if it takes, uh, you know, 10 or 20 years for the yields to come back down, you know, you're going to maybe have to hold on to some of these things to maturity to get your principal back. And a lot of people, you know, last year, they lost almost 20%. You got a million bucks uh, in bonds, you're getting the coupon, right? But you might have 800 grand or, or 850 grand worth of principal. And that other 150 you have in there, you know, you might want access to. And when the prices are down, you, you know, you can't, you can't get your money back. On the T-bill, they come due, your money's back, and you got your 4.5%, and you play again. Um, again, duration will make sense at some point. But I don't know that it makes sense. Uh, you know, you're getting a, you had a nice bounce in duration, right? Nice bounce. But I don't know that at this point you want to be loading up on duration. Seems a little bit sketchy. All right. So um, let's take a, a quick look around the world here, because, again, uh, they've had big runs. So let's take a look at uh, China. FXI. Now, again, you have a reversion to the mean. Reversion to the mean. That's why you got to be careful. Okay, you got to be careful. Uh, where do you want this thing holding? You definitely would like it holding this 30 number. Okay, like to see it hold that 30 number. Okay, and let's take a look at KWeb. There is a lot of potential, you know, if China, you know, uh, gets uh, cooking on all cylinders. Obviously, look where it came down from, KWeb. Okay, and it looks pretty good here. I'd love it to hold the area of 28 bucks. Okay, so hold 28 bucks. That would be lovely. And let's get above that 40 number. And then that would open up the door. So there's a lot of potential there, but again, you know, the mood is still a negative one, and this is really just a reversion at this point. And obviously, we got geopolitical problems. We got balloons coming across our country. They're saying we got balloons over their country, so you know, and they, you know, uh, they want to get Taiwan back. So there's nothing but geopolitical risk in that neighborhood. All right, let's take a look at uh, Japan and. Uh, Again, they're having a new finance minister. Are they going to get rid of uh, yield curve uh, control? Well, like I say, you came right up into the purple here. And this is a reversion trade that obviously hit some resistance. So again, uh, Japan getting above the, 50, um, the 59 area uh, is kind of important. So keep an eye on it. It's at 58. It gets above 59. Then you, you know, you're getting going. The red line's pointing up. That's not bad. Uh, these Latin American guys, you know, Mexico, we're trying to onshore and get things closer to home because again, the supply chains were all sent over to Asia. What did we find out during COVID? It's a very brittle, uncertain area. And you know what these companies have discovered? They discovered that they can't have their supply chains uh, in, a, in a dice rolling area. 
Okay. And so what they're going to be doing is they're reshoring. Reshoring is going to be lovely, except for one thing. It's going to cost more and it's probably going to keep the inflation rate elevated. At any rate, Mexico is one of the beneficiaries. Obviously, we loved it around 46 here on the ETF. Now it's a little bit higher. Let's look at the RSI. RSI hit 64, up, uh, hit, hit around 64 up here. And with this big, big rally, it's at 62. Not a big divergence, but certainly this big high has not been met with a tremendous amount of RSI. So you have to be careful that a correction here is not off the table either. Brazil, a lot of natural resources down there. Uh, a lot of um, a lot of uh, energy stuff like that, grain, and uh, <clears throat> so you're looking now at Brazil, and let's look at the 20 year graph on Brazil. That's one that was interesting to us. If we can get going above the 35 number, it opens up a lot of stuff in Brazil. But right now, it looks like it's still a little bit uh, fighting against itself. So that's uh, that's some of the um, uh, outside areas on uh, on the international front. Um, Food, Archer Daniels Midland, obviously supermarket to the world. Okay, 20-year graph. Let's see what it's showing. Okay, you got a high point here, and the high point had an RSI of 81. You had another high here, and it was only 64 or 69. That's a divergence, and that's why we came down. So th this is something that we talk about when we analyze, right? This is 81 on RSI. You see that? And then you had a retest and RSI is at 64. 81 and 64 is a big divergence. And that's why this is a sell up here. And now we've come back down. And look how far away it is from the mean. So you have to be a little bit careful about this. If it can get back above the red number, which comes in at 87, we'd be more interested. Otherwise, there's a lot of risk in this thing to possibly have a pullback. And again, some of these other fertilizer companies like Mosaic and CF, which we'll get into in a second. Yeah, again, pretty big pullback here from 80 to 45. So again, there has been a big correction in the, uh, in the um, fertilizers, CF uh, industries, you see? So if these things are coming down, is it possible that the agricultural sector might be coming down? Again, it doesn't take much for farmers to expand their acreage. You know, it's not heavily, heavily capital uh, expenditure oriented. Just throw that seed out there on all that other acreage and, you know, you get more. It's not like oil where you got to put a big investment into going to look for oil. So an increase in the supply of agriculture, if weather uh, permits, uh, is not off the chart. So you have to be careful with that. Um, so that's your uh, your food uh, look right now. Another one is uh, nutrient and so there you go here and you'll see another one that's had a pretty good correction right okay now let's talk about uh, energy because that's where everybody is so bullish and let's see if there's any reason why everybody should be so bullish on energy first we're going to look at the price of crude oil and then we're going to look at the price of natural gas because everyone's saying what we're going to go to 100 dollars crude 120 brent and uh, we're just about ready to go Possibly. Let's take a look. Here's your crude. We've been saying you got to get above certain numbers. Okay. And we're getting close to them. So might be time to take your shot. You see how it's come down here. So again, you start breaking under here, then you got a problem. So this is the place to take your shot on crude uh, right around that seventies area. And then it should not, you know, it should not be getting underneath the, you know, 65 or 60, if it's going to be a good market, red lines pointing down a little bit, never a good sign. You can see red line going back here, 
started to turn down in 08, didn't work out so well. Turned down here in 2014, didn't work out so well. Turned down here in 2018, didn't work out so well. And it's turning down now. So if you want to say, you know why we're a little bit hesitant is uh, we don't like the red line pointing down, okay? So where's the red line? Red line comes in, as we said uh, to people, at around 93 bucks, 92 bucks. So again, we said, as long as it stays under 83, you know, we're, we're cautious. Get, uh, or no, let's put it this way. As long as it stays under 83, we're not going to go through the roof. As long as it stays above, uh, underneath 92, we're not going to go through the roof. Okay. But again, this is the neighborhood that's held, which is good. And then if it can get above these two points, then we buy into the, you know, $100 crude, $110, $120 crude. Again, we haven't been looking for a lot of crude. There's a lot of uh, demand coming out of China and a lot of problems with Russia oil. And uh, we're going to be, uh, you know, obviously everyone's working. So they're going to be driving around and going nuts. And so basically, uh, you know, it, there's a good backstory to it. I just want the price to give you a little confirmation. But it does look obviously that, you know, this is a neighborhood. If you're going to take a shot, uh, it wouldn't be a bad neighborhood to, to look at. Uh, let's look at Nat Gas. You know, this is the one that looks like it's just at a giveaway price. Everyone was bullish on natural gas. Uh, guys on CNBC were saying we're going to go up, you know, uh, from six, and uh, you know it's going to keep going up. Uh, couldn't be more wrong, right? Couldn't be more wrong. Here it goes from ten all the way down to almost what two? I mean, that's that's a, that's a wipeout. So anybody who was bullish on natural gas, you know, they got killed. Again, red line started pointing down. Now, does this thing look ripe for a reversion trade, a reversion to the means? It looks pretty ripe for it. So that's why it's somewhat interesting to keep an eye on. Again, um, we could have a situation uh, where, you know, we could get a reversion trade. So now let's take a look at the different stocks. XLE is your Chevron and Exxon. Let's see what XLE looks like. Uh, again, uh, your high point here was uh, 59 on RSI, 60. And here you're at 63. So no divergence there. Here it hit 63. Uh, 66. And on this uh, rally here, it was 64. So no big divergence there. Uh, the red line seems to have been a good friend of yours. So as long as it can stay above the 82 area, obviously it still looks like it's reasonably, but that reversion to the mean thing still looks like it's a risk. And so that's why, again, we could go nuts on the upside here because that's the, where the trend is. But you know, be careful if it does break under 82 here. Uh, that something a more significant decline could happen. Because these things have, you know, we already saw oil went from what, 130 last year down to 70. And these stocks continue to pay out big dividends, buy their stock back because they're just coining money because they're not spending any money looking for oil apparently, okay? So there's your uh, Exxon and, and Chevron stuff. Now let's go to XOP, which is more of your uh, exploration and uh, producing. And basically, uh, this one here, I'm going to try to go back on the five-year because it doesn't have as much history and maybe get a little idea. Yeah, see, it's right here in the neighborhood. Look at that. That's a traffic jam all around about 140, right? All about 140. So if we can get through this tra traffic jam, it can make a run for the 160. Where does it have to get above? You want it to get above 141, 142. It's, it's very close. And certainly this high here, if it can get taken out, and that is at 147, then this thing could really give you some good activity on the upside. So um, I would say uh, if this thing gets above 142 
and 147 with an RSI that gets through 50, because right now the RSI is 47, you'd have to uh, you'd have to make sure that uh, this might be something uh, to uh, to diversify with. Now the last one here is the one that we thought might be very good because it does have to do with servicing people that are going out looking for energy. So this is the one we've been most keen on and we'll show you why here again. You go, you see, we got a buy signal at 150 and then it tested here and just tested here recently and around 262. So it's been a good friend to us here, although it does have some big resistance right there with that number. So, and that hasn't been able to get taken out since when? It hasn't been above that since 2014. So is there big potential here? It's possible. RSI is at 63. This is sometimes where things can accelerate on RSI. If you get above 60, sometimes you get a big acceleration to the upside. If you get under 40, sometimes a big acceleration to the downside. Um, so anyway, uh, and some of these here, you know, I'll, I'll read some of them off to you here. You got Halliburton. Again, we were keen on Halliburton at 15 bucks, 20 bucks. So it's kind of hard to get too excited of it at the 40 bucks. Uh, you can see here, you see where, where we got the buy signal here. You know, this is this is where it was the time to, you know, load the wagon. And then now you got a high point here at what? RSI at 68. You got a high point here. RSI is at 60. So you got a bit of a divergence. Again, you want it to stay above 35 bucks. And again, the fact it's above the purple line is quite good. But again, you know, if you're going to go up to 60 and all that kind of stuff, you got to hold your 35. And we got to see if that divergence, which is not major, is going to lead to more of a corrective activity. But again, these guys are doing the servicing. Another big guy who does that is Schlumberger. All right. Now you got Schlumberger. Obviously, where's the buy signal? Down here at 20, right? And then obviously, you're getting additional buy signals on pullbacks, right? And now you're pretty far away from the moving average. You have a high point surrounded by lower high points. You're above the purple, which is nice. That comes in around 50 bucks. So that would be a nice line in the sand. 45 is another. And let's see if it can keep going here. Again, a high surrounded by lower highs um, is sometimes a problem. So we'll have to see. But again, these are the guys that are servicing. And again, they've got potential, as you can see. You know, they are discounted to where they have been historically. So we'll have to see if there's a big move there. But that's what the energy situation looks like. Now, again, um, we're the option professor, right? And I haven't gone over a ton of option strategies because each one of you have option strategies you're interested in, and each one of you have a knowledge that you need on the option strategies. So that's why we're going to be inviting you to contact us where I can speak to you directly and give you basically a one-on-one -on -one seminar online going over your interests on option strategies, your questions on option strategies, and help you more direct one-on-one. -on -one. Um, again, I'll just give you some broad strokes. If I'm selling calls, like covered calls, I want to do it. Just think about what the strategy is. You're giving up all rights on your stock at the striking price, and you're doing it for a premium. So wouldn't it make sense to look at covered calls on stocks that have gone through the roof, so your strike price is quite high, and that the premium is fat? Wouldn't that be the time to do it? Not every day, not every month, not every week, okay? You know, you try to do strategies when the odds are on your side. You can do anything that you want every day you want, but you'd like to do things when the odds are on your side. So you're doing uh, uh, credit spreads or you're doing covered writing, 
you know, you wait for big rallies and then you look into it. What about uh, puts? Okay. Obviously, if the market is very, very high, then the puts obviously should be more reasonable. And that's the time to look towards your puts on the long side. When do you want to sell your puts? Well, again, what do you want to sell things? I mean, do you want to sell your house a year ago at the highest price ever? Or do you want to sell it into the abyss of 2008? Right. So when you're selling puts, obviously you're agreeing to sell to buy stock. You got to have the money in your account to pay for it. You don't do that stuff on margin. That is suicide hotline stuff. So the second thing is you've got to want the stock that you're signing up for. Two things. Now, when is uh, put writing make any sense? I mean, the most sense when something has gone way down in price. So now you're agreeing to buy the stock and the strike price is going to be very low. And then when the market has tanked, Tom, Dick, and Harry are buying the puts. And that means the puts will be very expensive. And ergo, if you write puts on things after big drops, right? Like Google, like Capri Holding, possibly. This is the time frame where you price them out. Because now you're signing up to buy these things at a low pr lower price. And you are collecting a fatter premium. Much more interesting than selling puts on Google at 180 when the prices are higher and the premiums are lower. So again, writing these um, options all the time, you know, I hear these credit put spreads. Oh, I'm selling this thing for a half a point. If you're selling something for a half a point, you realize you can only make a half a point. And if the spread is five or $10 and you get whacked, you're going to get whacked for an amount of money. In other words, you can't be making pennies and losing dollars. The math doesn't work. And I don't care if they work eight out of 10 times, those two times they don't work are going to be really big problems. So I'm not a big fan of writing low premiums. In fact, I'm a big fan of buying back the premiums because you know what? The guy who sold that premium for four or five, who's buying it back and selling it to you for half a point, he's the smart money, right? So you trying to get the last puff out of a cigar that's on the ground may not be the best strategy. So again, I can explain because I have knowledge in this area when I believe, in my opinion, the odds are on your side with some of these strategies and then how to adjust them. You know, after you're in them, you can roll them and or you can close out one side or the other or you can obviously leg into things. One thing I like to look into is when you are buying an option, once it pops for you, it opens up the door of selling an out-of-the-money option to get your money back. And that's something I can explain in greater detail. All right. We're at the top of the hour. Obviously, I've been all over the place. And why is that? Because after 40 years, I obviously have knowledge in a lot of different areas, right? So what do I want you to do? I want you to obviously contact us. How do you do it? You go to optionprofessor.com, O-P-T-I-O-N, professor, P-R-O-F-E-S-S-O-R.com. And you put your information in there. And then I speak to you and you let me know what you need. I tell you some of the things that are working for us. And basically we exchange uh, some information so you get smarter. Uh, and that's our goal. Uh, we don't have monthly fees on this, uh, you know, and we don't have, uh, you know, uh, annual fees. And, you know, we're not charging people thousands and thousands of dollars. You know, uh, obviously at this point in life, you know, I'm trying to help people and get some pay for doing it. Okay. So 
Again, uh, we'll explain exactly how we work, but um, in our view, it's very fair and it's very smart. And again, so it's very, I think there's some real value there for you guys speaking to us directly. Uh, also, you can bring the stuff you've got. We can give you our opinion on how we would operate with these type of strategies. And it opens the door to an outside opinion because sometimes if you get into just one opinion, it can become problematic, especially if it's an inflexible opinion. Um, and again, you know, again, we, we certainly feel like we have enough uh, experience and knowledge to be helpful. So again, uh, go to optionprofessor.com, put your information in. We got, uh, we got PDF reports that'll be very, very helpful that explain uh, different option strategies, uh, different stocks by sector that we think if that sector is going to be good, these are the stocks that might be good to look at. We do not give any advice. We're not advising anybody. What you do for advice is you go to your brokerage firm and you uh, go over your risk profile and you go over your risk tolerance and your suitability. And that's where you get your advice from. Here, we give out information, we share information, we share opinions. That's it. Okay. So um, again, we do look forward to hearing from you guys. Uh, there are um, a couple of questions here uh, that we have, but uh, I do think it would be good if you could uh, you know, contact us and we can go over your questions. I'm telling you this online one-on-one -on -one thing is a lot better way to learn in our opinion than going to these um, massive courses and then basically chat rooms and these newsletters for thousands of dollars that end up losing money anyway. So we do think it's a better uh, way of uh, going. So again, that's our opinion. We think it's smart. We think it's fair. So check it out. Optionprofessor.com. Make sure you do singular. Obviously, some guy put an S in there and he's got another website. So it's optionprofessor.com. All right. This is the Option Professor signing off. Uh, we got a big week of news ahead. We'll have to see how things pan out. Uh, we'll be on top of it, of course. So I do um, wish you all the best of luck. And uh, congratulations to the Chiefs and congratulations to an excellent job by the Eagles. Both for, uh, both uh, these guys should be applauded. What a great Super Bowl it was. Um, okay. Have a good day, guys. Option Professor signing out. We'll talk to you soon.